Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my co-host and full-time homie, Jim Stam. Jim, how you doing today, brother? Gary, I'm good, man. Um, Steelers season is over. Penguins are doing good. Pirates were kind of sitting around and waiting on, but um, that's okay. Uh, we got plenty to talk about. Yeah, we always do. We always find a way, don't we? So. We do. <laughs> Before we get into the show today, though, man, uh, I think we have to mention one more time, tomorrow is the big day. January 22nd is finally upon us. Uh, the North Shore Tavern at 2 p.m. Join us for a live episode of the Pirates Fan Forum. And uh, everyone who enters that building is going to get tickets to win a signed Bill Madlock jersey, courtesy of our good friend Smitty from around the 412. Smitty. Um, yeah, really appreciative of that. And uh, we also have a bunch of DK Pittsburgh sports merch, um, some nice things from Definitely You over in Brentwood. And, man, for me, the real prize is getting to meet some of you folks we've been talking to for what feels like forever. I mean, Jim, what say you? Yeah, like uh, anybody that comes down and, and we chat with um, – I'm sure we'll even get some ideas for a show. So we'll use it selfishly <laughs> on some level. But, uh, no, it, it should be fun. And uh, what I do want to mention to people is, is like, uh, obviously, you should be there. But if you can't, if you're from out of state or out of the area and you can't make it, remember, it's going to be a live show. So you can jump on YouTube and um, go to DK uh, Sports Podcast. And uh, find us on there, and um, you can watch it live and um, ask questions. And uh, as far as I know, as I think we're going to pull some questions live and try yep. to answer some of them. So, like, yeah, just remember, if you can't be there in person, you can still participate. And, um, yeah, because I know we've got plenty of people that listen that are, you know, out of state, and uh, we'd still love to hear from everybody. Absolutely, man. I, I think it's going to be really cool. Eddie P is going to be there um, helping us hold that, hold it down. Yep. Uh, Smitty's going to be there. Um, it's it's going to be a good time, man. It really is. So uh, Craig, my writing partner from my website, is going to be there. So it, definitely stop down, have some beers, have some steak on a stone. Good stuff all around and, for everybody. Yeah, and, and just as a, a side note to that is um, – 
don't use kids as an excuse. Mine's going to be there. I think other people are going to bring kids. So, um, Craig's bringing his whole tribe. So, yeah. So, um, you know, we keep it, we keep it clean and, um, it should be a good time if you want to bring the family. So, yes, we might use the D word. I'll try not to. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Jim, I mean, I thought, because we still have a regular show to do first. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Let's let's do that too. <laughs> I thought, man, we spend so much time telling everyone what we think will happen that maybe we don't spend enough time talking about what we think should happen. You know, I, I think sometimes we get locked in this bubble of reality where, you know, we're we're talking about what we think they'll do based on Bob Nutting's history or Ben Charrington's past, or even just where they are right now. But I look at some of these position battles and brother, the only reason they're battles is because we know they aren't going to do anything to declare a winner. So what do you think about that? You want to spend a little time talking about what we think they should do? And I'm yeah, not saying it, let's be crazy and talk about signing Carlos Correa or something, but like let, let's, you know, keep it in the realm of, of reality for this market. But well, fortunately, we have plenty of people on social media that can get all crazy about it and um, just go completely off the rails or the reservation and talk about all the ludicrous things. So we don't have to go that far. But yeah, I mean, it's fun. I think um, you mentioned it before we even got on that, you know, we're just we're two pragmatic dudes, man. Like we, yeah. ooh, to to a fault, maybe in the sense of like that's we 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 live in, you know, um, seeing it through the prism of this is what we think is going to happen. Yeah, sometimes and, our acceptance is taken as endorsement. You know. Yeah. Um, that certainly gets lost on social media because you don't have, you know, people just stumble across something you're saying and, um, they don't understand kind of your cons are our constant mindset. I think when we, when we talk about the pirates or, Hey, any other, you know, Pittsburgh sports is we're typically coming from a, Hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what we think. Right. This is what we think they're going to do. And, um, we're, we're, we're two people that didn't construct a gallows in our front yard for Matt Canada. You know, I mean, no. like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying that I like his, what he's done or anything. And I, I think I personally would move on from him, but you know, I, the pirates have a lot of those situations too. And I, I think maybe we should go through some of those today and why not get started with, with everybody's favorite, Kevin Newman. <laughs> my, my favorite for sure. I don't know about everybody else, but uh you know, well, we're going to we... claim we're going to claim there's a position battle there, right? You know, you and I have already said, and and you begrudgingly have said, Kevin Newman's going to wind up being the starting shortstop this year on opening day, and and also please just spare me that I didn't say if there's an opening day. Come on now, people, like <laughs> I'm not going to do it every day. <laughs> I'm yeah. just not. Um, we're, we're to the point now where that sounds like you have to mention cap with a floor or floor with exactly, a cap at this yeah. point. Everybody knows the, the, the baseline here. Right. So, so Kevin Newman, you know, I, I think he probably has a leg up on, on shortstop because of the way he played last year uh, defensively, mm-hmm. certainly not the way he played with the bat. I mean, but 
I could make a case that while I think they'll do that, I really think they should consider starting O'Neill Cruz there. You know, and interesting. I, well, there's interesting. Par, there's part I like, of me that, I like just going right there. Why not, man? Because <laughs> because O'Neill Cruz is, you know, this team desperately needs power. We know he's got it. We know he needs to develop at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Well, let him develop at shortstop. You know, <laughs> let him play up here. Put Kevin Newman at second if you need to. You know, whatever. If you're going to let this kid be a shortstop, let him be a shortstop. Quit pretending that five years wasn't enough for him to show you he could do it. Let him play or don't. Interesting, because um, what, what they should do or what I think they should do is, man, it's hard to separate that for me. But in the interest of uh, the exercise here. Um, well, let's first say this about Kevin Newman. Um, he wouldn't be back if they weren't going to be planning on starting him, in my opinion. Like, I just think that, like, he's back. They're planning on keeping him and, and giving him every opportunity to play. So what you're hoping for is just a little bit more, I mean, my goodness, show something with the bat and keep right. fielding the way you're doing. Um, <clears throat> O'Neill Cruz, man, um, I, I'll i tell you what. I don't have an issue with it, but I'd also like to see him really starting to get some work, if nothing else, in spring training at maybe right field as well. Like, I do think it might be time to just – give him that opportunity to see how that works out just as the starting of a plan B for him when it comes to uh, what he's, you know, that was a big shame with his injury last year because they were just starting to work him out in the outfield and Mm -hmm. um, center field too, which, you know, a lot of people questioned and, and somebody, I can't remember who. Oh yeah. I apologize to the journalist that asked the question, but somebody asked, Ben Charrington, why they keep starting um, these infield guys out in center field. And he said, it's just really about, it's easier for them to learn center field than one of the corner positions. But obviously I don't think that's an option in major league for, for O'Neill Cruz right out of the jump. And and I think there's somebody there by the way. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I forgot all about that. Um, appreciate you bringing that up that it was center field and i do think they feel like if you can play center field that typically translates pretty well to the other the to right. the corner corner spots and he's a big athletic guy um i'd love to see some spring training and just see how he does i think he's really got to clean it up though um at shortstop at the it, to be able to I, play i agree with you and it's mostly the believe it or not just for his size you'd think it would be you know actual fielding errors it's been more throwing errors really Uh for him and that's weird because i mean he does have a cannon of an arm but he misfires a decent amount so he does i'm not i'm not 100 sure that he's ever going to turn into somebody that can man that position at at a major league level but yeah but 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 should they uh at least entertain it Sure. I mean, the other question is with him is um, at what point do we think we're even going to see him? 
um, you know, next year or this coming season, whenever, whenever that is, um, you know, when will they decide to call him up or I can't even imagine a scenario where he's on the opening day roster, but I guess you never know. As I look at that potential 26 man roster, Mm -hmm. that now will most assuredly include a designated hitter. I don't know how you're going to sit here and tell me he's not one of the best 14, 15 hitters in the organization from day he, one. I mean, he probably is right now. Right. So um, to me, if you really want to talk about what they should do versus what they will do, he should make the roster because of his bat, especially with the excuse taken away that he has to play in the field. Well, yeah, I mean, if you could take that out of the equation for him right away. Um, which, which you probably can with the designated hitter. Yeah. So. Um, that's that's an interesting uh, question just simply because, you know, and I'm sure we can talk about it as we go on here, but DH is a, is a big, is a huge question for this team, um, which isn't a great sign whenever they're like, hey, great, you've got the DH, go, <laughs> go, go crazy. And then you're like, Man, who are we even going to use at the DH position? Right, right. I mean, I'll tell you what. I think I could go on about Kevin Newman for another segment, and I might just do that. So let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll pick it up where we left off. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We were just talking a little bit about, you know, something we think they should do versus will do. And it got me thinking about Kevin Newman a little bit because, you know, I know that a lot of fans have already given up on him. But I think there's still more in that bat. I really do. And I I don't know if it's ever going to come out here in Pittsburgh. He may be a type of guy that goes off to play somewhere else and has himself a Jack Wilson season somewhere along the line. You know what I mean? Like one of those just anomaly of a season where everything he hits is turning to gold and he's hitting for power suddenly and just everything looks great. What if the Pirates start him because of his glove and then this year is that year where he goes off and they've got this glut (laughs) of middle infielders coming up. And, I mean, I can see it right now. The Pirates ultimately, I think, want Kevin Newman to do well enough that he is tradable, but not well enough that they have to pay him anything. (laughs) And I can see fans losing their mind if he comes out and hits like 320 this year. Like That's crazy. But like, let's say he comes out and hits like 320, just has a Jack Wilson-esque year. And he plays excellent defense. And then the Pirates are kind of like, oh, crap, it's his ARB2 year. What do we do? <laughs> it would be it would be um, very piratey for something like that to happen where you're hoping to make a definitive decision and he comes out and, you know, even let's – I mean, I'll even take it down even further. I mean, let's just say 
he's doing what he did his rookie season and hitting 280 and having timely hits and playing good defense and just looks like a baseball player right um now do i think that that's something i would uh hop on FanDuel and put any money on no uh i would not but um yeah, I think ideally what they would like is for him to bounce back and be a, just a very, very solid contributor to this ball club and then see if there's any kind of a market for him at the at the deadline because, yeah, you're going to have to start talking about paying a Kevin Newman. He has If he has one more decent year, then he's, what, two out of the last um, – is that four years for him? Yeah. That, that, yeah. yeah so that then, would be 2019 real good, 2020, mm-hmm. 21 bad, 2022 good. Yeah. yeah. What I do love about this is is like how layered all this stuff is with things because you start talking about, you know, what we started with was interestingly enough with Kevin Newman and how he's doing it short. But then does that mean they put O'Neill Cruz uh, in the outfield, and then does it? I mean, so there's all these domino effects based right. on just one, just one guy that people have, for the most part, written off. And trust me, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> that happens so often. It really does. Like you know, we we talk about the outfield, right? You got mm-hmm. Greg Allen and Anthony Alford out there. I think I think it's pretty safe to say we know what Ben Gamble is at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian Reynolds is Brian Reynolds. We trust him. We know what he is and everything. Um, so Greg Allen, I, I mean, like, okay, he was a prospect. He did okay in AAA. He's never really gotten a shot. Anthony Alfred's had a couple shots. He's been unlucky with health. He struggled mightily with the strikeout. Um, to me, like the strikeout was probably the main reason that they didn't feel the need to protect Mason Martin. So it's clearly important to them, right? Uh-huh. Right. So you've got this next wave of outfielders coming up too. Why shouldn't Bly Madris get a shot before you bother with, with Anthony Alford and Allen again? Like why, why, why do that? Why dismiss any of those guys? Cal Mitchell. He didn't make the 40 man either. Why not? Jack Sawinski. Can Mm -hmm. he play his way onto the team? Travis Swaggerty. That's the name I was waiting for. Kane I mean, Smith and Jigba. I mean, yeah, CSN's uh, definitely in that conversation. Even Jared Oliver. You know? I would say, I mean, this is one of those parts I think we can really get into what um, I'd like them to do or want them to do. I think if you do get a guy that um, outplays Alford or even a Gamble in uh, spring training, um, however truncated it may be at this point, right. um, which which that does that does that throw does a little a little that. bit of a wrench in there, um, but let's just say you, you get three quarters of a spring and somebody just forces their hand. I can see them being very conservative and just going no 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 we'll we'll stick with what what we're planning on doing. I don't have a problem. Look if uh, CSN or Swaggerty comes in, and I mean they're just playing good baseball and hitting. I I don't have an issue with it. I would I would, hey we they thought Brian Reynolds wasn't ready either, 
you know, um, or didn't want or didn't think he was going to be part of the game plan. And I'm not trying to compare. No, him. but he forced his way into staying right. Up. And, and right. We all remember too the the aversion Clint Hurdle had to playing rookies. He hated yeah. playing rookies. So to to force your way into a lineup on a Clint Hurdle team, you had to be pretty special. You know what yeah. I mean? So and and I, I often thought too, while he was on his tear after coming up, I kept waiting for him to have that game where, you know, he struck out three times and, you know, made an error in the outfield or something and, and Hurdle found a reason to bench him, just like he did with Meadows. Yeah. But didn't see it, you know, <laughs> to his credit. Yeah, so. that's why I think you you can't you can't totally close the door on that. And especially for the kind of guys we're talking about that we're seeing as incumbents, if you will, which yeah. I'm using that in, the, in as loose of a term as possible, given who we're talking about. But, you know, Anthony Alford, God love him, great athlete. But if he has a spring training, anything like he uh, had when he wasn't hitting the baseball and striking out over half the time, uh, I, I just I, I question whether how much you want to even get into that road since they've been down there that road before. Yeah, and, and I don't think the forty man even plays into it much. Like, for instance, let's say uh, Bly Madras. I, I brought him up earlier, but let's say him. He's been in the system forever. Yeah, they've never even. It's probably never even crossed their mind to to think they had to protect him from the rule five draft, you know, mm-hmm. but, but the kid went to Australia and, and hit the ball really, really well. Like in, in the winter ball last year, I, I like what he's added as far as power goes. And he's just a guy, but let's say in spring, he he's carrying the cover off the ball and Anthony Alfred's striking out. <laughs> Why not just say, okay, you're out. You're in. We'll swap you a direct swap on the 40 man because you're not out anything. If he doesn't make it, what's the difference? You can, you can cut him just as easy as you cut Anthony Alford. Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest here. I mean, if, 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 if Alford is, is, is having some of those struggles again, um, there's only so many times you can give a guy, Right. Chances. I mean, especially. I, I mean, he's got to be late twenties at this point, right? He's got to be twenty, yeah, yeah, twenty-nine years old. I he mean, is. so you know, at some point, you do have to cut the cord. And we're talking and, about really the outfield too. We're being nice by saying Ben Gamble's a starter. He shouldn't be. Like <laughs> on a good team, he should not be uh-huh. a starter. I want him on this team. You know that. I like uh-huh. what he brings to the clubhouse. I like what he brings to the bench. I like what he does when he gets his shots in the game. I think he brings energy. I, there's nothing about his game that I don't like besides the fact that he's in a starting role and shouldn't be. You know, I, I think it's just too much exposure for him. So let's not pretend like there's not spots to be had. Mm-hmm. Well, I you mean, look, I mean, you look at right field in general. I yeah, mean, yeah. even even just from a defensive standpoint at this point, let alone offense, which they're desperately, desperately going to need. Um, yeah. Like I saw somebody 
<clears throat> I actually think I saw you comment on is how I saw it. Somebody said that there's power potential or something is, is higher this year than, than next. I, where is that coming from? Like, yeah. I, I, where is that coming from? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and like I said, which was, look, if you want to focus on maybe a singular guy, but as a team, the, they are really, really going to be searching for home runs, and maybe, and you know, that's part of the infatuation that I'm, I'm sure that they still have with Anthony Alford, is that he sure. does, he does have some pop, so they want to give him every opportunity to tap into that and see if he can turn it into a 20 plus home run season type yeah, guy. I mean, if you're going to swing that hard at everything and miss. 60% of your swings, you're going to run into one every once in a while too. So sure. I get it. And the, and the guy's certainly built for power. It's not like he doesn't have it. It's just, yeah. you know, how, how much longer do you give somebody that you didn't even draft time and opportunity over guys that, you know, I know Ben Charrington didn't draft all these guys, but some of them he acquired, some of them he drafted, some of them he brought in. Let's let's not let's not just pretend that none of these guys should have a shot in the spring. This really and truly should be a wide open competition. And and that's where we get back to the original intent of this conversation was will versus should. Uh-huh. Because it really should be an open competition for two spots in the outfield. But I think it really will be for one. I think the lesser of Allen and Alford goes. Yeah, I think uh, we've seen enough from Gamble too to know that like Gamble is going to give you a good quality at bat. Yeah. Um, he he's not going to go up there and just give away at bats and have no business looking like you know for games at a time that he 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 shouldn't be hitting me or trying to hit major league pitching and if so all do he's th- asked to do is move a guy over he's going to find a way to move a guy over yeah yeah i mean he's a he's a baseball player so i mean yeah, they look they need, they need they need that but to to something you mentioned earlier is guys tend to get exposed when you start having to give them 500 at bats or even 400 yeah it's the rj um, reynolds effect mhm yeah, you can't just extrapolate numbers and assume in these small sample sizes that it's just going to turn into X, Y, and Z over the course of 600 plate appearances. Well, that's see, that's where that, that whole power potential thing comes comes to play because a lot of people are like, oh, Yoshi hit eight home runs and 120 summit bats. Let, uh-huh. Yeah. Let's not do that math exercise because. <laughs> well, if you, do, yeah, even if you start to do that math exercise, it should sound ridiculous. Well, as soon as you start going like, "Hey, this dude who's hit I think ten home runs in the league total in the two years he's been here is suddenly next year going to be Sammy Sosa from the left side." No, like, um. I, I, I just don't think that we can go in expecting that sort of production from, from a guy. And if you are and you think that's part of the power potential of this team, man, I don't know. And could Brian Reynolds hit 30 home runs? Yeah. Yeah, he could. But, like, man, I don't want him to take himself out of his game plan either. 
You know, no, I, like, I think that's what got them in trouble with him in the first place a little I, bit. I think you're totally right. So, I mean, I give him kudos for hitting, you know, as many as he did last year. But I, I think just the type of hitter he is, I don't know that I want to see him hunting 30. If it happens, fine. But I think 25 is a real good spot for him. You yeah, know, you know, you know why? Because <clears throat> the kid reminds me very much so of an Andy Vance like. Andy Van Slyke had big power too, but Andy Van Slyke didn't always swing for home runs. You uh-huh. know, he had a couple seasons where he hit a decent amount, but for the most part, he was a doubles and triples hitter. You know, and that was plenty good for what for what they needed him to be. He had power hitters around him. That's the difference. Brian doesn't. Yeah. So he has to that, be the power and the glory. Right. And speaking of speaking of. Reynolds and the lineup and whatnot. I, I stumbled across this uh, the other day and I saved it because I thought it was really interesting. And um, now, yes, this is cherry picking stats and it puts it all together and makes someone seem very exclusive. But I mean, anytime you get in the category of what I'm about to say and the name that he's with, it should get your attention. We already covered we were going to be irrational in this episode. Yeah, I'm right. Not. So, okay. So here goes. It says, despite hitting third for a weak Pirates lineup, Reynolds, along with Juan Soto, were the only two hitters to hit above 300, hit 20 homers, log 90 run- RBIs, score 90 runs, and steal five-plus bases. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, are we are we picking and choosing there a little? Yes. But it does go to show you somewhat of um, how good of a baseball player he is. And um, is he a Juan Soto? Breaking news, no. But nobody is, really, except for a couple guys. So, But I thought that was an interesting stat. It's very interesting. And I think it, it, it adds a little more light and credence to exactly how good we think he really is. I, I don't even think we've necessarily seen the best he has to offer yet. I really don't. I thought he I was don't... fighting it a little bit early in the season last year as far as um, you know, still catching up with a couple of those pitches that, that were plaguing him in 2020. And uh-huh. once he figured it out, yeah, he was good. But then they started getting him on a different pitch. You know, uh-huh. High and outside started taking advantage of him. And then he became somehow a better right-handed hitter than left-handed hitter, you know? (laughs) He's the kind of guy that I think as his career plays out, you will see this with a guy like him. He's such a a, uh, fundamentally sound hitter Mm -hmm. that um, it will maybe be a little bit of a cat-and-mouse game with with a guy like him, and he'll figure things out. And, um, you know, maybe he will start to trade a little bit more power for – or average for power. He he could he could easily do that. I don't think we've seen the best of Brian Reynolds simply because we haven't seen a lineup that quite frankly is worthy of a Brian Reynolds in it. And to see table setters and who's going to be behind him and think about what he did and what he's done when Jacob Stallings was your cleanup hitter. And, Very true. You know, I mean, so, you know, and that's another big question for next year is 
And believe me, this team's got a lot of them, but uh, how do you get that lineup sorted out? And who do you put behind him in that lineup now? Because, I mean, we had Stallings, and he he was just to make do piece there to begin oh, with. Oh, man, to me, zero chance it's not Yoshi. I, I, I mean, don't know how they. I don't. I don't know how they would avoid it. I have. I mean, if I'm making it out right now, it's Yoshi, and I could make an argument that their best number two hitter is Brian Reynolds. It really should be him. Um, Perfect world. Yeah, I mean, you really want him to be a number two hitter, I think. And I think if everything fell exactly as they'd hope, I think you'd hope. Brian Hayes would be your number three and Yoshi would be your number four. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, right now, just with what we have, I, I shouldn't say perfect world. Cause in a perfect world, Yoshi wouldn't be my, <laughs> but, but I'm but saying if you like, do the math, here. if you do the math, he is, man, he's going to hit yeah, yeah, 48 bombs this year. He is. But like, you know, and Derek Shelton's never really cared about the lefty righty thing as much as I do. But, you know, let's say O'Neill Cruz does somehow make the opening day roster and he's the DH. Let's just give him that position. Um, man, I I think I would I think it might be too much pressure to throw him in the in the cleanup hole. But I wouldn't want him batting fifth because I don't want to go lefty lefty. Right? Yeah. And I don't want to put him sixth because that's a waste. Why bother? You know, you want that power up there. You're talking the Cruz, right? Yeah. You're talking Cruz? Okay, yeah. Um, the thing I the thing I would say I would caution against uh, starting – I would – if Cruz was going to make the Major League roster, I would throw him into the fire both as a hitter and as a fielder. I think it's really hard for guys that have never DH'd before um, to – it sounds great. It sounds great on paper. Hey, we'll just we'll take the fielding out of the equation yeah. and we'll let him concentrate on just being a hitter. But it's not as easy as it sounds, and it's very hard to just go up there once in a while. You're, I mean, you can you, you can say you're in the game, but yeah. you're not, and that typically is something you see from veteran guys that after a while in the major leagues, and either by the fact that they stink as fielders or they've just learned to hit and they can do it in a lot of situations. Those are typically the guys you put at DH. I I hesitate putting a young guy there because I think that's a hard thing for a young player to learn and uh, be successful at. I I see that point. It's actually interesting that you brought it up that way because I mean, well, he has DH a little bit um, in the minors, but not enough or consistently like you're talking about. Um, right. I I think usually a, a player will, will use the field to reset, you know, after an at-bat. Like, instead of sitting there in the dugout, staring out at your teammates out in the field, sitting there by yourself, thinking about what just went wrong and you're one of four opportunities that night to do something. Uh-huh. Um you get to go out in the field and, and positively contribute in, in one, some way, you know, I guess what I'm saying is with O'Neill right now, where he's at in his development, I'm not a hundred percent sold that something positive is going to happen in the field. 
So. <laughs> yeah, and and may, maybe then my argument would be if there's still that part of the equation, then maybe I just give him a, a little more time. Right. Um, you know, in, in my mind, I just think that like I don't want to, I don't want to baby the guy. I don't want to abuse him in the sense of him not being ready. So maybe if if that's the case. Yeah, I just I, I want him to be able to develop fully as a major league baseball player. And, you know, we already know the tools that he has in the field. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is a lot to say about guys being able to go out in the field. I, I mean, it's it's just it's a rhythm thing. It's like you said, it's being involved in plays. I mean, sometimes that jump starts you at the plate. Um, it can certainly hinder you, too, for a young guy. So it's right. not it's not super clear. It just would be you know what I would do. That's that's maybe how I would handle it. Um, but you know the spring could tell us a lot. I mean maybe he comes out and he looks pretty decent in the field, and we can we can just say okay we're comfortable enough with giving him a shot. He can look really good in the field. I've seen it. <laughs> Watch oh yeah, he can make the play. Yeah, he looks slick um, for his size. It looks uh-huh. great. It, it looks weird, like just the way he has to, the angles he has to take to get to balls. But the sure. range is crazy because the range is just nuts. He, three steps is five for somebody else, and uh-huh. and as long as his uh, first step is quick, he's going to get to a lot of balls. He really will. And him and Cabrian over there, that could be a pretty deadly defensive combo on that left side of the field oh yeah i mean you certainly wouldn't be getting much past them right um for sure um the interesting thing about an o'neill cruz and i know people are just like just because you're tall you can't you know that doesn't mean anything you can still play the position Uh, of course you can but it's like a lot of things with um even other sports we're talking uh golf we're talking shooting in basketball i mean the more you have to keep together top to bottom yeah. and the bigger you are, there is a lot of stuff that goes into the fundamentals of things and keeping everything tight and in sync and being able to repeat that motion repetitively and consistently. There's, there's another side to it too. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, I'll use Mario Lemieux as an example. Mario Lemieux, in case you've never really seen him in person, is just a freakishly large man. He's like he's like Ben on Ben Roethlisberger on skates. He's massive. Yeah. And um playing center killed his back. People want to make it out uh-huh. like oh, you know, uh, the physical fitness wasn't the same back then and it certainly wasn't. The man smoked cigarettes in the locker room. It's not like Legend. it's not yeah, but it's not <laughs> like it is today where you know these guys are you know visiting with dietitians and exercise specialists every day and yeah. working all off season. But it killed his back playing center like to the point where he kind of had to move to wing when he came back a little bit uh, and became almost just a, a stationary sniper. Uh-huh. Well, O'Neill Cruz is the type of guy that the way he swings with all that torque, first of all, that reminds me of Christian Yelich like crazy. And you know how I feel about Christian Yelich and what his, that swing has done to his back. He's your man crush. Well, toss in having to bend over as far as O'Neill does to field ground balls at shortstop. And I think your 
begging for back problems for that kid. So I'd almost move him more because I don't think it's a good position for him health wise than whether I think he can do the job or not. I totally agree. I think, and that's funny you mentioned that because sometimes when I'm on uh, Twitter about that, that's kind of my mindset in the back, but I'm just saying, let's move him. You know, I, I've been kind of adamant. I, I, I want to see him somewhere else in short, because I think eventually that's where he'll end up. And that's a big part of it is that I just think that it's not because I don't think he can do it. It's just that I want to see him somewhere that's not going to take the toll on him that shortstop can. And as he gets older, will, and you could put him somewhere else and still be able to use his attributes. Right. You just want to see him in right field because you think he's tall enough to just reach up and keep a hammer in. Right? I'll tell you what, that would be fun <laughs> against, that would be fun against the Clemente wall having, you know, minute bowl out there in right field. <laughs> So. I'll tell you what, Jim, let's let's take a quick break, man. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more. This is fun. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Um, Jim and I are having a, a reality break today, and we're talking about things we think the Pirates should do as opposed to what they will do. We're always lecturing everybody on on being realistic, and today we're going to try to just pretend that that's not necessarily always part of the equation. And um, Jim, one of the biggest position battles, I think, is, is catcher. And the problem is they don't really have anybody to compete. They got Roberto Perez, who he's going to be the starter, and they're certainly paying him to be a starter. Um, he's injury prone, though. And they don't really have a backup. I mean, right now, there literally isn't a catcher on the 40-man besides Roberto Perez. But I was going to say it's hard to have a battle with yourself, right? <laughs> but so you have right to now. figure you have to figure Michael Perez <clears throat> is probably the, the leader in the clubhouse for being the backup again, even uh-huh. though they they just banished him from the forty man. But Carter Benz isn't ready. I mean, so I mean, at least I don't think he is. So what what do they do here? I mean, the, the free agent market stinks for catching right now. Yeah, it's really it's really barren. But how do you go into a season with an injury prone starting catcher and Michael Perez as your backup catcher? I to me it's it's just asking for trouble. It's it's actually reminds me of the of how we got the fort. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when you leave when you leave yourself that thin and Especially Perez has a, a a history of of being yes, he does. unavailable. Even if he didn't, it would still be a precarious position to be in. Um, yeah, to be very clear, I thought this was a position of need before they traded Jacob Stallings. So uh-huh. <laughs> I certainly don't feel that that has changed at all now. And man, to me that that's a 
a dark and scary position right now on this team and and one that I think could turn any progress they have hopes of making on its head. So what do you well, do? Well, it would be disastrous if he had a major injury, um, you know, with any kind of a chunk of the season remaining. Right. Um, you know, at the end, they're not expected to compete if it happened in August or September, so be it. But if it's May and he's out, you know, for any length of time, um, they would be scrambling. I, I mean, I guess you would see Michael Perez. Yeah. Um, and buckle up for those 400 at-bats because they're, they're going to be um, uh, not the quality that you would, uh, would expect or hope for. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe they can go out and ID just a, a guy that can – in the trade market that they can get that can maybe hit a little bit. I mean, what's Benito Santiago himself. doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Former pirate. If many yeah. people, many people don't remember that. But, or, but or don't really that I, I'm, I'm joking, <clears throat> but like we're, we're approaching Rod Barajas territory here uh-huh. where like, you know, that's what they're going to be left with. If they're not careful is picking up a 38 or 40 year old catcher, you know, somebody that even in the best of times is going to be able to handle, you know, 60, 70 games back there without breaking down. And somebody who's bat you really don't want to feature in, in uh-huh. your lineup. Um, I'm not sure there's a good answer here, to be honest with you. I, I don't think there's an awful big trade market out there for people that are looking to get rid of somebody that could be a quality backup catcher. I'm not sure that there is a free agent that interests me. Um, For instance, Michael Perez stinks, but he hit seven home runs last year. And if he was your starter, to me, worst case scenario, he's going to run into 15 or so. (laughs) I'm not sure I can say that for anybody that I see on the free agent market right now. And I also don't trust their durability. So, to me, this is a, a position that scares me because I can't, even in an air of trying to be unrealistic, think of how they could fix it. Yeah, I agree. Um, if and maybe maybe they'll just stick with Perez, and I mean Michael, and they'll keep him as the backup, thinking that uh, they're they're happy enough with how he you know, handles the staff and they would just deal with the fact that he's going to hit 170 and 13 home runs. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you'd like to think that if that was their plan, that they wouldn't have uh, cut him from the, from the 40 man. Well, you know, you know, I, the, I know they brought him back, but I'm just saying like, if that's your plan and you don't have a better alternative than Michael Perez yeah. lined up or in mind or somebody that you had like trade half worked out for or something mm-hmm. along those lines, uh, do you do you see something in bins that I don't? Did you see him like make a step that I didn't, Mr. Charrington? Because I didn't like what I saw from him last year. And I certainly don't think he's ready to skip AAA 
Uh, Bet Betancourt was really the best. I mean, he didn't even catch most of the time, but he was really the best hitter down there, like at at the catching position. Andy Rodriguez is too far away. Henry Davis isn't happening. Don't even pretend. I think honestly, honestly, if worst case scenario happens and they are in that position, they're literally just going to have to go with someone that they think can handle the pitching staff and pretty much throw any type of offensive hopes in the toilet because you just have to be able to, if nothing else, be able to go out and catch a major league baseball game. Well, that's largely what that's largely what uh, Roberto Perez is. You know, he, he can handle the pitching staff. He's a gold glove catcher, but, uh-huh. you know. Aside from, I think, one year where he. One season he went off, yeah. He, he went bonkers. Yeah. And even then the average was in the tank. So, I mean, like, it's not like uh, it's not like you're expecting big things from him offensively either. So, you know, maybe at the end of the day, we care a lot more about this than they do. But to <laughs> me, it's a it's a frightening position to be in and. All I can really say is, man, that pitcher better work. You better work out. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, it, it's a, I'm trying to even equate it to another sport because I like to do that sometimes about like the importance of the position, and um, it, it's just so vital um, to everything you're doing, game in and game out, that you just can't get around it. Um, so, you know, it, it's certainly not the only question that they have. I mean, we can go and look at, second not for the same, yeah, not for the same reasons, but how many guys can, at least at second, we can name a bunch of guys. Yes. Yeah, so we have a lot of people that they'll probably <laughs> take a look at at second base. Uh-huh. But second base is probably one of the few places that I can't, um, really put my finger on who's going to start. If I if I had to guess right now, I'd say Cole Tucker probably has the best shot at getting really? at getting the chance. Um, Craig only, will be thrilled. No, he won't be. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I I think Cole Tucker probably has the best shot at getting a start at second base because of his pedigree. Um, because he showed a little something towards the end of the season. He handled the position pretty well. And I I don't think Michael Chavez is a long-term solution there. And I don't think Hoy Park at the end of the day is a major league hitter. And those are the big options there, really. Diego Castillo is another guy that potentially could, at some point during the season, I think, come up and factor in. Yeah, Chavis is uh, interesting. Um, we know he has power potential. Um, you know, I, w- I I mentioned this to you um, during the break. I can kind of just I I would like here we go again. I would like to see them maybe let Chavis and Yoshi do a little bit of the first a lot of the first base duties cobbling that together and see what you get out of your 600 plate appearances. And um, Chavis has some versatility. I think Yoshi is even, I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, what, what happens if they get the DH and they want to use Yoshi at D 
DH, maybe you can let Chavis play. I, so there are some factors on that side of the the infield that make it very interesting, both from a defensive side and an offensive side. I mean, to me, the only way that – I mean, I, I just have no faith in Hoy Park to beat Cole Tucker at second base. And I have – less faith in Chavez beating him there because I don't think he's a very good second baseman. No. Um, so, I think he's worked hard at being serviceable. Yeah, but he's a better first baseman, third baseman, outfielder than he yeah, is yeah. second baseman. So. Absolutely. And I think it comes down to if Park is the one somehow, then I don't think that speaks well of what happened. Um, because if, 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 I think Park is if if he has a role on a major league baseball team, it's his versatility and the fact that he can come in and um, you know we, we like to use or I like to use the term give you a major league at bat. Um, he's got some patience as a hitter, things of that nature. Give guys days off. He can play a ton of positions and really doesn't embarrass himself. No, he was actually pretty good at third base when he was selling yeah. uh, Brian Hayes last year. So Right. So I I mean, to, I'd love to keep him in that role. I wouldn't mind that either, but I, I mean, I think I think those are the, the, the three guys I think are really going to get a crack at second base. And out of those, man, to me, it's Cole Tucker's to lose because I think they want to know what he is this year. I don't see any purpose in sending him to AAA. No. So, and off the bench, what are you going to learn? You know, like it, it's time. It's time to see what Cole Tucker is. And, and if, if that's 250 at bat, and, and yeah, I, I can already hear people screaming at their <laughs> listening device that they already know what he is. I, I completely get that. I think I do too. But I also think even in my trying to be unrealistic mind frame that we're trying to get into today. I want to see what Cole Tucker is. I want to, I want to see him get an opportunity. It's well, why would you bring him back? Why would you bring him back? If you don't, if you don't do that, you know, I, I, I just don't see the sense in it. Um, I would much rather just let him play. Well, because um, some people are meant to be bench, you know, and you know, if you think he's a, a good cheap bench option, that's why you bring him back. But I'm saying, like, I want to see him get a, a good run out of position. Let him try to hold it down, and and really see what he can give you. Put him in the leadoff spot, and just let it go. You got nobody else there, that, like, unless you think Kevin Newman's your leadoff hitter. I want to see something consistency a little bit. I think in some of the lineup spots and. Cole Tucker needs – we need to see what he is. So to me, that's where I'd like to see him go, and I think that's mm-hmm. where he should wind up. But I don't know how long you give him. And and I don't know where, where he fits really long-term with this team, even if he does come out and, and look good. I, I think ultimately the middle of the infield of the future is coming like a freight train. Mm-hmm. And, and all that Kevin Newman and Cole Tucker can really do is play for trade value at this point. To me, yeah, and um, you brought up something interesting about the leadoff spot on this team. What are the options? I mean, yeah, do I, we well, I just re- named two of them. 
The other one is Cabrian Hayes. Uh, and, and I don't think they want to do that. Um, I would prefer. I'd rather they not do it. They did it last year. I didn't like it. Um, I just, I just don't think that that's where he belongs and I'd prefer him be in in the heart of the lineup. I think on a team this thin, you can't afford to waste one of your few power options up, up top like that. Uh, Hopefully power options that we, that we hope is coming. Sure. I mean, when I say power though, I'm, I think he's a doubles hitter too. So I, I consider that power as well. Definitely. So so to me, I I don't want him in my leadoff spot necessarily. Um, I think you'd rather have a little bit of speed there. And and to me, that's Kevin Newman, Cole Tucker, I guess Hoy Park uh, is an option. Boy, it's, 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 uh, it's not, it's not it. Well, you can't put Anthony Alford up there. No. I mean, not only does he strike out all the time, the guy literally has a physical aversion to stealing bases. I mean. He has the base running instincts of um, a sloth for a guy that's (laughs) – for a guy that should steal bases. He doesn't get great leads. He doesn't time the jumps really well. Um it's kind of bizarre yeah. to watch him. I it's, mean, and some weird. of that stuff, yeah, and some of that stuff you can you can uh, coach, but there is something to a knack of somebody who just has some natural ability to swipe it back. Well, what did we talk about his age already? If, if he ain't learned it, he ain't learning it. R- right. Because that should have been a thing of his for from the jump in his professional career. Right. He's still, um, he's out there trying to steal bases looking like Alejandro Kirk. I don't <laughs> see it anymore. You know, but like Greg Allen's fast. He's real fast. Yeah. But I mean, I've never, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect from him. He's know? so, yeah. You know, um, if, if somehow he were playing enough, I don't know that, I see him playing enough, but when he did, that's probably where I would put him. Um, but leadoff spot is really, really not an attractive solution. There's not an attractive solution. You know, there's another team. side to this that we're not even thinking about. Um, once the DH is introduced, leadoff spot's different. It's not what it is like that where you we're accustomed to from being NL fans. True. You know, where um, you you always think of the leadoff spot as starting from scratch almost. Well, it's not really that same position anymore. Uh-huh. You can have because you you tend to build these lineups with speedy guys at like eight, nine, and one. So, it's not like it's not like that one spot is is necessary as crucial. Yeah, you're right, and I do think I, – I, I think out of any, anything we have talked about it, I do think they will have the DH this year. Like, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't imagine that not coming out of the negotiations. I totally um, agree, and you were talking about somebody that you were thinking about that might fill that role pretty well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, okay, so we tend to – just deal with what's at hand because a that's what we know and b we know the pirates are averse to going out and 
doing a lot in free agency. And um, so we tend to stay in that, in that vein. But again, what I think they should do, you know, you're out there and you're looking at uh, guys that you might be able to bring in and not, you know, break the bank on. I think you've got guys out there still that they could go get. um, Like your classic mid-range guys. Yeah, the, the the name that jumped out at me that will is available and for a price tag is Eddie Rosario. Um, Shelton should be very familiar. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's thirty years old. He uh, at some point he's played the infield, but I think he's mostly a left fielder at this point. You know what? Truth be told, not a great left fielder, but uh, he can hit. And I saw a projection on him at maybe like a two-year, $15 million range. Why can't the Pirates go do that? I mean, that that solves a let's problem. Even, let's even pretend they have to pay a Pirates premium and it's two for 18. Yeah. Right? Like, so what? Like, why not? Why not? So what? Yeah, why not do that? And then you give you take a little bit of the pressure off of those kids to come up here and perform right away. You know, like mm-hmm. – I love the idea of signing a real outfielder, um, somebody that is starter quality. And even sure. if he's not, Rosario has DH'd in this league before. Like you were talking about with O'Neill Cruz, there, there's somebody that's got some experience with that and handled it quite well. So A veteran guy, he, he can hit, and he's a, he's a guy that, um, you know, if it, if it doesn't work out, you're not out a ton of money. You're not out, you know, four years on a deal with him. Yeah, and this is I a mean, time, too, when you can afford that. It, it, well, that's not going to kill you. $9 million tacked on to, what, 40 uh-huh. Yeah, It's not going to hurt you at all. So, yeah, why not? I, I love the idea of signing an outfielder for that very reason. And, and I think a lot of people forget, you know, Travis Swaggerty, is is a guy that's got like 13 games in triple a mm-hmm. you know can smith and jigba has what 10 they're they're <laughs> pop they're pops still they're, they're kids and, yeah and and even when they come up here i could very well see this being a caravan back and forth where they're trying them out one at a time for for like six weeks to to two months and then shipping them back down and bringing the next guy up could, because could easily all, happen. They're all right there. So you could see almost every single one of these outfielders getting a, a, a little span of time up here. And, I, I mean, to me, you get a veteran up here, and Ben Gamble becomes what we had already discussed Ben Gamble should be. I, to me, I, I think you, you strengthen the whole lineup that way. You really it, do. It's it's what we talked about before. It's just, it's just one move that helps a little bit along the way at other spots. So I think when we get into the should, what they should do, I'd love, I'd love to see them do something like that. Um, will they? Well, no, but we'll, I, we'll, I probably not, but yeah. I, I love the idea. I think in all sincerity, you want like actual impact on this team's record. That's where it is. This team is not going to sign a pitcher. That's going to make a difference. The reason I say that is because, first, I think they have a ton of options to start, and I'd really prefer them not clog the works by bringing in another number five or borderline starting pitcher to begin with. 
to me, if he's not going to be your number one or two for sure on this team, don't do it. And I know Ben Charrington said he wanted to sign another guy, but I don't want one. If he's not going to be for sure the number one or two in this starting rotation, don't bother. Use what you got. I agree, and I think we already know the answer that they won't go get someone of that caliber. So, But he said he wanted to do it, um, but there's a lot of guys in that room already, and I'd rather mm-hmm. just start filtering through them and seeing how it works out in spring training and throughout the year. But um, you can definitely have more of an impact on the offensive side of things than you can on the pitching staff. And I would I just wish that they would take a look in those areas because it's not as if they don't have obvious holes that they could go out and help right away at. Yeah, like because we're going to spend a lot of time as the season gets going, I have a feeling complaining about the catching position that we brought up already. Mm-hmm. Well, you, it's, very, it's very realistic to look at the market and just see there isn't really anything that could fix that situation. This is a place where you can maybe make up for what you're going to lose. You're going to lose some offense in that position. Bring some offense in. Give... Give Brian Reynolds something around him. You know, don't just sit here and, and pretend Cabrian Hayes is going to rebound 100%. Don't pretend that Yoshi figured it out in that two months and now he's Lou Gehrig. You know, like, bring mm-hmm. somebody in here that's an established major league player to help lead these kids. If you really want to get down to brass tacks when we talk about what this team should do and doesn't do, it's that. I've seen it in the pitching staff a little bit. I thought Anderson was that last year. I think in many ways Quintana can be that this year. I don't think Quintana is going to give you that with numbers, but I think in a leadership standpoint, I think he can really help some of the some of this young rotation kind of learn how to be a pitcher. A little bit, you know, as long as he doesn't teach him how to do dishes, I'm fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's avoid that But task. But like, you know, they've done it on the mound a little bit. We haven't done it in the field. And that mm-hmm. uh, you can't consider Yoshi a veteran just because he's old. He's not. You know, no. Anthony Alford's not a veteran. Anthony Alford is still trying to achieve his dream. He's no different to me than Cal Mitchell. You know? Yeah, and and as a matter of fact, on his last chance, this it, 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 I think if Anthony Alford doesn't, if it falls apart for him again, I think that's a that's a real that's hard to overcome at this age and stage of his career. That's probably the last thing I want to bring up. I think one thing I'd really like to see them do is have a little bit of finality to some of their decisions this year. Like, enough lingering. You know, if Anthony Alford bombs out this time, I don't care if he clears waivers. I don't want to see him touch the AAA field. Uh I want him gone. You want to mess around with Allen a little bit? Okay, I get it. You just brought him in. But we got to stop 
we got to stop just continuously giving the same guys chances to, to do something that they continuously fail to do. If Kevin Newman doesn't hit this year, his glove is not enough to take him to RM2 next year. You have got nope. to cut your losses and move on if he doesn't hit this year. And I like Kevin Newman. But th- these are decisions that got to get made. If, if Cole Tucker comes up here, gets a shot at second base, and still can't hit, I don't care. It's over. Move on. He is Alan Hansen. Bye. And to 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 piggyback off that is, in in my opinion, it would be nice as as they are making those final decisions on these types of players. Let's get a guy or two that can help the established players that we do have that you are looking to um, yeah. build around. Get them some support. Help them day-to-day in that lineup, whether it's through protection or just giving them someone to drive in a run. Um, And so you could do both if you wanted to. Do they want to right now? That's the the question. The closest they've come is a waiver claim named Bad Gamble. And that's that in and of itself to me is derelict of duty. When you're bringing up young kids, I'm not sitting here telling you they should be plowing towards a wild card this year. I understand where this team is right now. Uh But if you want them to be plowing towards a wild card in 2023, don't make these kids suffer through another year of absolutely no support. You got to get them some help. I mean, no, we're not sitting here screaming that they need to go sign Chris Bryant or, you know, Anthony Rizzo or anybody of that caliber. But my goodness, help out the guys that you feel are uh, pieces that you need to invest in around them. Absolutely, man. That's what I would like them to do. I I would like them to do that too. And it was really fun breaking from reality today because. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I feel. I feel like I got a weight off my chest. I got the, I just got to <laughs> fantasize a little bit about the pirates. Well, it's nice. It's nice on occasion just to remember that, you know, different fan bases out there are having different types of conversations. And just because we don't think they will happen, maybe doesn't mean that we shouldn't have them anyway. Um, I, I think it's really hard to apply pressure to them if we're not at least talking about what we think should happen. And, uh, Sometimes it starts to feel like Stockholm syndrome a little bit when you, when you go, Oh, Kevin Newman's going to be the starter and you just, <laughs> and you yeah. just bury it. But let, let's, let's not be afraid to say, Hey, if, if O'Neill outplays him, boom, get him up here. You know, no, don't wait around anymore. Sports is, yeah. Sports is kind of like life. You don't, you don't want to stay in a dark place too, too long. You gotta, you you gotta get out of that that hole, that spot for a little bit. Maybe that's what we did today. It was it was for sanity purposes. It was that. And speaking of being in a dark place and needing to get out, don't forget to come out to the show tomorrow. We're all excited. We're all excited better, to see you. If I hear anyone was too cold to come out to that thing, man, am I just gonna? We'll devote a whole segment to how soft you are. Oh, my God, especially if it's somebody that actually lives here. Oh, totally. 
but uh, hey, we should probably cut the show off because we're already going to take up so much airtime with two shows this week. <laughs> we don't need to go extra long on this one. So, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter, Pirates Fan Forum. Subscribe to the show. Watch all the shows on the network. They're all good. Uh, Jim Stam, how do people get a hold of you, sir? Yeah, I, I, always on Twitter. Um, so you can get me at, at Jim Stam 22 or for the city underscore 412. Um, if you miss our beautiful faces and you're just tired of hearing our voices, we can. the show is always on YouTube as well. And um, for me, it's all Pittsburgh all the time. You, you guys know that by now. Yes, and soon he'll be watching the uh, what is the Marauders, right? I know you're going to pick up watching that a little bit, right? The Maulers. The Maulers, okay. Yes. See, that's, yes. How, that's how closely I'm paying attention. <laughs> I saw that Kirby's going to be the head coach, so I was like, that's cool. Yes, we've got the Maulers. I've got to have to try to fit them into my brain somehow. All right. So, hey, without further ado, for the last time recorded, Mr. Ben, take it away. Yes, go, bye.